1: Today we've got an amazing show lined up for you. As a physician, I've, boy, I've dealt with people with all kinds of life situations, all kinds of health conditions, all kinds of social situations, but today we're going to talk with someone who has a social situation that I have never run into. You might gather what it is when I introduce her. Her name is Fran Petrie. She's the author of the book Twins Times Three. Fran, it's great to have you with us.
2: David, thank you so much for having me on today.
1: I think folks may already realize one of your, well, one of your talents, if you will, one of the things that characterize your life that is very different from most other people. They hear the name of your book, Twins Times Three, and I think a lot of people are already connecting the dots. But if they are not, tell us who you are, what your book is about.
2: Thank you so much. Again, my name is Fran Petrie, and my story and my book is about the fact that I have three sets of twins.
1: That is absolutely amazing. I have, I'm just telling you, I, like I started the show, I have met so many people over the years. I've met people who've had twins. I've met people who've had other multiple births, but twins three times in a row? Is that true?
2: Yes, sir. I have no single birth. I had all top tart packs.
1: Wow. So is, did the doctors ever come up with an explanation for this?
2: Well, um, a little bit of background on us. Uh, my husband and I were married about five years, and we had not had any children. Mm-hmm. And we had been trying to have children, but we were very careful about what about what steps we took. Um, we did have some assistance, but only one time of trying a particular uh, very, very careful, carefully approached procedure, mm-hmm. and we had our first twin girls.
1: Okay. And then um, you have the twin girls. A lot of people say... When people have twins, I mean, it's such a, a formidable task. That's the end of their, their family. They, you know, the twins were enough. But you guys uh, had another set of twins after that, right? How far apart were they?
2: We, uh, the girls were about four years old. And um, although we could have said two and done, as it's often said, we wanted to have one more baby. So we went for one more and we ended up with a boy and a
1: girl. Wow. Again, a twins, this time a boy and a girl. So now you've got a family, uh, three girls and one boy. I'm, I'm keeping track correctly. Yes, you are. And,
2: and um, well, let's see, we went on another seven years. We had um, 12-year-old girls and we had a 7-year-old boy-girl. And my husband and I oh, have been um, just blessed with our family, our, his uh, job that has provided so well for us. And uh, we got to a certain point where we thought, how about one more baby? we could provide for one more child, and our twin boys were born.
1: Now, you you got to be honest with me about this, Fran. When you're thinking about one more baby, was there not something in the back of your mind like, we've had two sets of twins, uh, either might we end up with another set of twins, or could you have said, wow, two sets of twins, no one's going to have a third set? What, What was going through your mind at that point?
2: Exactly what you said second. Mm-hmm. I thought the the chances were just too great for it to happen a third time. But it did. <laughs>
1: so okay. We did.
2: And uh, the astounding situation with us is that we have three sets all in each possible combination.
1: That is. That is. You're right. So you have two girls, then a boy and a girl, and then two boys. Are any of them identical twins?
2: None of them are far identical. They're all fraternal twins, all just siblings that came in the set of two.
1: Wow. So some people are thinking right now, well, these guys have got it mastered. They know how to do it more economically. You know, if you're going to get pregnant and have all that prenatal care and all, might as well do it with two. But a lot of people who say that don't realize that often twins are more costly. There's more likelihood of complications and issues with childbirth and after childbirth. Did you run into any of those challenges with any of the twins?
2: I certainly did. Um, I have been, you know, uh, asked many times about what made our whole situation different from people with single births, even though they had several children as well. um, From my standpoint, and I can only speak from my own experience, from day one, finding out that I had a set of twins on the way, I was immediately told that I had a high-risk pregnancy. And Mm -hmm. sure enough, falling right into line with that concept, I went into labor early and I had to go on full um, house bed rest, etc. And I did have Um, Babies that were born, all of them were born a little bit premature, not profoundly premature, thankfully, Mm -hmm. but they all um, did have some hospitalization time in the beginning to grow and to. But but everyone else, but everyone did do well. uh, Essentially, Um, the stories and the details are all in the book. But they, uh, you know, we have we went through a lot uh, to get uh, you know them home. Um, But everyone essentially did fine. The little girls uh, did, I think, the best when it came to their growth, it just grew so fast, so well. Um, little boys were a little bit slower mm-hmm. um, in terms of their just desi- desire just to kind of thrive. Um, but I have to say, we've been very, very lost in the fact that all the children are perfectly healthy. Um, but yes, we did uh, face all of those complications. We did have hospitalization time, as I said, so we did incur some costs there. And when you look at a set of twins and you want to say, oh, look, two for the price of one, it certainly is not. Two for the price <laughs> of one is, by all means, two for the price of absolutely two.
1: Mm-hmm. So you've had this amazing life journey, amazing life story. And one of the things that I think is so relevant today, we're hearing so much about women in the workplace. We're hearing you know, stories of, of challenges that women face there. We're hearing concerns about you know, still gender inequalities that uh, that occur once women are outside the home. And it seems like for many people, that role of mothering has slipped off the radar screen. This is something that, of course, you have some unique perspective on, perhaps uh, challenges on the home front that other women have not faced. Do you find that because of your life journey that on a certain level, when a mom talks with you about raising children, you have a sort of credibility that they give you that they wouldn't give someone who raised one model child.
2: Well, that's a good question, David, and that's true. Probably I'm looked at as sort of a, a pro when it comes to being a mom, um, having had three girls and three boys, um, even parenting twins in a in twin circle. Um, I have everyone that will come to me. They can't say that I didn't have one of every combination. So I, I, can, I can relate to all the different approaches when it comes to parenting. And I can also approach to uh, or, or relate to the approach of, of working. I, I left a job. Um, I stepped away from my desk one day, and I never went back mm. up in northern Virginia. as was a graphic designer working a very good job, and um, I went on bed rest uh, the very next weekend. And I was not able to return to my job at that point. So everything changed um, for me in terms of my my role as a woman, as a working woman, um, and then became mom with the focal uh, all of my focus on you know maintaining a pregnancy healthy as much as healthy as I can, taking care of myself and my and my children who were still not born yet. Um, yes, and I have that perspective of also working from home when mm-hmm. they got to be a little bit older, and I could do that as well because financially, we needed to have supplemental income mm-hmm. for our family as a growing group.
1: Grew. I mean, I can imagine that for sure. So let's kind of step back because we've got listeners who are tuning in today from you know all different uh, walks of life. Of course, we have a large number of people from Indian country who tune in. And of course, twins are uh, no stranger to any demographic group. We also have many folks who are not Native. And as we're we're talking about these family dynamics. People are saying, well, it doesn't matter whether you're Native, whether you're not Native. I mean, these are real life issues that we face. One of them that I'd like to focus on with you to begin with, Fran, is one you've already alluded to. I think it's so common today for women to say, yes, I'm going to have that one child and I'll be with them at home, You know, take some maternity leave. But then I'm going to transition, you know, right back into the workplace after my pregnancy. I've got family that will be helping or some good daycare options, whatever it is. Was that the approach you had or were you in what seems to be a minority of people that said, well, I'm going to have this first child? I mean, if you were, you know, originally thinking about that first pregnancy and uh, and then just be a stay at home mom. And again, I use that word just guardedly because I don't want to diminish that role, but oftentimes in our culture, you know, I hear that even from women.
2: Certainly, that's a very, very valid question, and especially today where women believe, you know, we do try to do everything. We try to be, we go to college and we try to get that career that we've been working so hard to attain and to get that level of of, of success in our careers. Um, We also feel pulled in the the, uh, position to want to be a mother, to be a stay-at-home mother, at least temporarily, My mom, I think, was an enormous role model for me. Mm. She had worked outside the home, but when we were all preschool age, she did stay home with us. So that was a model that I had to go by and I found um, helped me a lot. Now, what also helped my decision, my husband and my decision, was the fact that I didn't have one baby. I went from one, I went from myself and my husband to a family of four. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of thinking of financial uh, credibility of being able to go to send my children to daycare right away, it didn't really make any sense for us to try to uh, pay for daycare for two newborns while I go back to work. I found that I probably wasn't going to be making a heck of a lot more than paying for the daycare that mm-hmm. I would send my daughter's too. Mm-hmm. So I decided it was much better from our standpoint. It's different for everybody. But for us, I just felt very comfortable and happy and fulfilled staying home with my daughters.
1: That is tremendous, and and I so appreciate that testimony because I've heard many people, when they actually look at what they're doing, the trajectory they're on, they've got the kids in daycare, and they actually do the math, and it's like you said. They're saying, you know, why am I doing this? We're really not much better off financially, and oftentimes... The price they're paying is, you know, more doctor visits for the kids. I mean, the kids are in daycare. They're getting exposed to everything that's running through the community. I guess you're hearing, a, you know, a doctor speak. But this is the kind of feedback we sometimes get. So I appreciate that insight so much, Fran. Absolutely. Let's come back to the book and just give us an idea of, as we're closing out this first segment of the show, Who do you think really needs to pick up a copy of the book, Twins Times Three? What are they going to find there?
2: Well, they're going to pick up a book that's a real-life journey of a woman becoming a mother with her husband, becoming a family, and going through the ups and downs, the the, the laughs, the the tears, and just the, the life experience of a family as they grow from two to four to six to eight. And everything in between, the good, the bad. As I said, um, it's funny, it's a roller coaster of emotions, and it's from the standpoint of me from behind double strollers for many, many years.
1: So, folks are going to find it an engaging read. That's what I hear you saying. And I wish I had the experience to have looked at the book prior to getting you on, just uh, to let my listeners know that is typically my practice, but it seems. Uh, Not uncommonly, I'll hear about someone who sounds like a really great guest. And those who know American Indian Living, who've been regular listeners, we're traveling all around the country doing shows. So I have some limited times to record from in our studios here in Northern California. And I just learned about Fran. I was actually traveling at the time, Fran, just uh, to give you a little background, and saw this uh, press release come out about your availability and I said, wow, I'm going to be back in the office in a few days. I actually just got back. Uh, yesterday was my first day back in the office. I said, uh, we've got to try to get Fran uh, on the show. So no time to, uh, to get a book and review it. Some of you might say, well, hey, if you had 24 hours, you should have read that book. I didn't, okay? I'm confessing to you guys tuning in today. <laughs> but uh, the minute I started talking with Fran before we recorded the show, I said, this woman has got a great story. And uh, usually if a person is articulate when I interact with them, they're going to be a good writer as well. So, Fran, you're not getting people disappointed that they found the book boring or poorly written, no, are you? No,
2: sir. No, sir. In fact, the opposite. I have been told that it's quite the page-turner. When I wrote this book that's a little bit of a background, it became a book that was born out of my habit of just journaling, journaling my experiences. Um, the next thing I knew, a book was in the, in the process of being born, and it is all from the first-person standpoint. So... You'll read it, and you'll just hear a, a person's experience day to day, week to week.
1: Great. And it's
2: very engaging. And it's very, very funny. We've
1: got to step away. Fran Petrie is my guest. We're going to tell you about more practical things you'll be learning in the next few segments of the show. You don't want to miss it. Practical things about your family, family success, all kinds of challenges that Fran faced. She'll be giving you keys to how to overcome them yourself, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or just a community member. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more right after this. Don't go away.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1 800 775 HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this.
3: This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's
2: easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out.
4: For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter.
2: Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim.
4: When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.
3: If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You are back with Dr. David DeRose and with Fran Petrie. Fran is the author of the book Twins Times Three. And if you're just joining us, Fran is indeed a woman who has three sets of twins, twins. Fran, some have already been engaged by your story. They're thinking of picking up a copy of your book, Twins Times Three. They can get that on Amazon. But there's a better place to experience your writing style. There's free material, a blog, uh, all on your website. Tell us how we can access that.
2: Yes, David, thank you so much for asking. My website is f r a n p i t r e F-R-A-N-P-I-T-R-E.com. And on my website, you'll find... Many, many articles, vast information on parenting twins, everything from finding out that you're expecting twins all the way to sending your twins off to college mm. and beyond. Um, on my blog, you'll find all types of information, lots of answers and lots of engaging conversations that have been going on. But it's also where you can click a link and go directly to the, my, my book's website. Uh, it's twinstimes3.com. And that is actually where the... I would recommend that you buy it. The Amazon link may have the older book. The book that came out in 2009 was my first book, Mm -hmm. Twins Times Three. This Mm -hmm. book is a 2019 10-year anniversary edition.
1: Okay, and you've updated the book some, included some additional material.
2: Yes, sir. The book has been updated for the last nine and a half years, what the children have been doing, what my husband and I have been doing. We've all been doing as a family, Um, the good, the bad, and everything in between, again. And it just brings it all the way up to present day.
1: What is so great is over the years as a physician, even though I'm not a pediatrician, I'm always hearing about people who want parenting resources. I know those are always in demand, but I, and maybe it's because I'm not a a parent of twins, but I've just not heard of a lot of resources out there about raising twins. Is this pretty unique or are there a lot of competing titles out there?
2: Well, honestly, when I started my blog, it was the beginning of the blogs. It was the beginning of social media. My book came out in 2009, and at that point, there wasn't a lot of engaging on Facebook, etc. There was more um, people that looked and reached out online via blog work. So I started writing articles, and I put myself out there um, as the resource for parents of twins so they could turn to a mother who's had three sets in every combination so that I do understand the different dynamics between boy twins and boy-girl twins and girl twins, and mm-hmm. everything that isn't you know involved in each individual child.
1: This is great because whether we're parents of twins, whether we're grandparents of twins, whether we're just you know in our tribe, in our community center, wherever there are twin births, twin families—if you want to use that term—as twins grow up and have their own families. I think it it helps people just to understand some of the unique challenges of raising a set of twins. You've made some statements about differences in twin boys and twin girls and then the the twin boy girl. Tell us a little bit about what you've learned.
2: Well, as I said in the beginning, right off the bat, everything was was, was difficult. It it was challenging. And I just had to step up and learn as I went because I didn't have any experience. I didn't have anyone that I knew personally who had any twins. Um, other than a distant relative who had had older paternal twins. Mm-hmm. So I was learning as I went. My husband and I just, you know, we rolled up our sleeves and, and went, went to work. Um, it, initially, it was difficult. I chose to breastfeed my my daughters and all of them. And so right off the bat, learning how to to efficiently and, and successfully breastfeed two babies every feeding mm-hmm. was very challenging. Uh, I had to then look at toddlers and put them down in the park and watch one go one direction, one go the other direction, and have to keep up. So it was just a constant, you know, learning learning of experience as we went. By the time they were in middle schools, there was double the project, the double the science fair mm-hmm. project. So of course they couldn't be the same project. They had to be totally different. So there have always been increased times two challenging times three. Mm-hmm. So it's just something we have been uh become quite well at mastering over the years. And uh, I believe taking the experiences that I've had has given me that ability to write it all down, have that those resources for other people who are just facing them right out of the gate.
1: So because we're talking about a 10-year anniversary, it's safe to say that your youngest set of twins are at least 10. Is that fair to say?
2: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They turned 11. At the end of last year, so this year, they'll be 12 at the end of the year, in the end of October. My next set of twins up are freshmen in college. They're 19, and our girls are now 24. They graduated from college the end of last year, and they're just starting to transition out into uh, adulthood.
1: So you've really done it all. I mean, pretty much the whole parenting cycle, I mean, at least seeing the kids through through college, at least the, the older two. Tell us, though, uh, this curious thing about the difference in dynamics based on gender. Give us some insights into that.
2: Okay. Well, let's see. The girls, and initially, the girls were very, very much alike,
1: mm-hmm. and
2: then as they grew, they became two completely different people, two completely set of of, of skill sets, completely different interests, completely different groups of friends. Mm-hmm. So the two that I thought were going to be the ones that I would be able to depend on as being pretty much the same, just two of them became the opposite of what I ever uh, 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 believed they would be. Mm. And to this day, they're very good friends, but they're very, very, very different. Mm-hmm. However, my boy-girls that are twins are my two inseparable kids. Wow. They do everything together. They have the same circle of friends. They double date together with their boyfriend and girlfriend, and they are the most Uh, they get along the most together, and they are miserable when the other is not.
1: Wow. Now, see, I would not have expected that.
2: And that might just be us. It may just be our family dynamic. It may just be that those little children grew up that way, and that's who they were going to be, whether they were twins or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then our boys are sort of a combination of the two. They get along great, they'll roll along the backyard in the leaves, and then they'll go off and do totally different things. Hmm. And uh, I'll have to look and find out where the other one is and I'll ask, Sean, where's Benjamin? I don't know. Okay, so there we go. So they're just uh, everyone's individuals. They just happen to have come in groups of two, two. but honestly, they are siblings. They're not identical. And I do know that from my experience being in twin circles, that even identical twins have vast differences from
1: Mm -hmm. each other. Now, one of the other things that I think most of us have noticed, at least in many circles is that twins often are given these complementary names, often starting with the same letter. I've already picked up on Sean and Benjamin having very different names. With the the first set of twins, did you fall into that convention of having Julie and Judy or Pete and Pat or something?
2: We actually did not. We picked two names from our family that we decided that we were going to pass on to our daughters. We believed at the time they could have been our only children, And we didn't know if they were going to be identical or not. Um, There was a possibility that they could have been identical Mm -hmm. the way my pregnancy was was proceeding on. So we named them Lauren and Catherine. Okay. They both end in the letter N. Uh That really wasn't intentional, but it worked out that way. But then that's what we kept as a factor. Our next set of twins are Aaron and Brandon, Uh Aaron, E-R-I-N, my daughter, and then Sean and Benjamin. So everyone has an N ending name.
1: Okay, well, that is, and, and I always feel like people are so much uh, easier on me. I, For some reason, I tend to gravitate, remember people's names, especially by the first letter. And uh, I was actually, I just had met a family the other day and was saying, uh, there's several families that were, were talking, and I said, well, your family was being hard on me. They named all you kids with the same, starting your names with the same letter. Uh, that's, the, that's the thing that helps categorize things in my mind. So... Uh, Although it may have developed a little bit of rapport with the kids, uh, I'll tell you it's it is interesting. I appreciate uh, your uh, you're making it a little bit easier on me, even if I've only gotten I think Sean, Benjamin, and Lauren down. I haven't gotten the others uh, <laughs> memorized yet.
2: Well, from my from my perspective as a mother and thinking what I do when I when I was naming them, I I, I believe that they didn't want to have rhyming names. They didn't want to have names that categorize them in any certain way. I wanted them to feel that individual um, treatment that every person deserves to
1: have. Uh-huh. Uh, I like be that.
2: Celebrated as an individual, even, even more so because they were coming in in sets of two, they needed to have, um, be celebrated as individuals. And my husband and I, Bruce has, have always done that with them. We've always treated them in a very, very individual uh, way. They're all such amazing children. And, uh, and they deserve to have that type of um, type of treatment
1: I am talking with Fran Petrie if you 're a scientist like I am, when you hear the name Petrie, you 're automatically thinking of petri dishes. If some of you tuning in today have no idea what a petri dish they 're the dishes that we use in the microbiology lab to uh, culture things to to grow things uh, when you have uh, an infection, we'll put the the germ, plate it out on a Petri dish, we'll put little antibiotic discs on it and see what you're sensitive to. Petri, in that case, is spelled very different, though, than Fran Petri spells her last name. Um, How do you spell Petri in your last name?
2: It's spelled P-I-T-R-E. It's a Cajun French name. My husband is 100% Creole. Cajun from South Louisiana.
1: Okay, so Petrie, P-I-T-R-E. You want to remember that because Fran's website, where you can get all these free materials, the blogs, all this helpful information, is at franpetrie.com. So that's Fran, F-R-A-N, Petrie, P-I-T-R-E, dot com. We're going to have a lot more from Fran coming up in our next segment. A lot of practical things, whether you have twins, whether they're in your family or not, and other I'll tell you, I gotta let you know. When we come back we're gonna talk about something that's being asked. Our mom's having more stress and anxiety than ever before. You've gotta catch that coming up first on our next half. Don't miss it. Doctor David DeRose more on American Indian Living right after this.
0: American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre recorded broadcast, please call one eight hundred 775 HOPE. That's 1 775 4673.
4: So, you want to be a hero? Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke, sudden weakness on one side, or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke.
3: Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org. Or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr.
1: DeRose. You're back with the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose speaking with Fran Petrie. Fran is the author of the book Twins Times Three, And we're moving into kind of a different topic in the show. We're speaking especially about stress that moms may face. Some are asking the question, stress and anxiety, is it worse than ever when it comes to mothering today? Fran, many people would say, boy, we've just been stressed out listening to a woman who's got six kids, three sets of twins. Um, What's your take on this, uh, this bigger, though, societal question?
2: Well, you're absolutely right, David. Everyone is stressed today, and sadly, I believe we kind of take it on ourselves a little bit. Um, mm. I learned a long time ago that when my husband would leave, he would go on his uh, business trips. He's an architect, and would often leave, and I would be home with my children alone for several days at a time. In the beginning, I tried to do everything perfect, everything to the point where uh, you know I never missed missed anything at all. Well. Eventually, I, I realized it, it needs to be, let's let's travel the path of least resistance and mm. not make it so hard on myself. And um, that's just something I share with everyone who ever asks me the question you did just now. Don't be so hard on yourself and try just to go about it um, with ease because children will pick up on your mood. Mm. And then you're just going to make it worse for everyone by the over, being, being overstressed.
1: So what I really hear you saying is that mothers may tend to put too much on themselves, maybe uh, add to whatever pressures they've already got by trying to fulfill unrealistic expectations. Is is that kind of where you're coming from?
2: It is. I believe that we all start out with uh, with the goal of just being the best mother we could possibly be, and, and rightfully so. However, um, it does become very difficult. And, you know, day after day and with different situations that come up, children become sick. Um, you know, one of the parents uh, goes out of town, as often in my case, and um, and so we just have to figure out a way to to be able to manage without becoming so stressed that we basically can't handle it anymore. Um, my own experience is that that is the case, and I think today it's even worse because we are out. We put ourselves out on on online uh, for others to, to to view. To we try to be engaging with our lives. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be the perfect parent. Mm. Um, and in doing so, it, you know, it just stresses us all out because we can't maintain that level or that image that we're trying to put out there.
1: Now, the other thing that's so practical about this whole discussion is you being someone who, would be hard to argue, I think, from a, uh, a standpoint of motherhood, have dealt with some unique stresses You've developed over the years some techniques, some strategies that have helped you to thrive, helped your kids do well in these settings. And I know a lot of folks who are listening today, if they're mothers, if they're grandparents taking care of young children, or if they're community members, uh, tribal members, they see folks at a community center or at tribal events, and they're saying, I mean, this mother needs some help. And they say, but what credibility do I have? I just have one child, or I never had twins. What kind of stress techniques have you learned that might be good to impart on a show like this?
2: That's a wonderful question. I'm glad that you asked me that. I do have some things I love to share, and they're things that I developed along the way. And, of course, everyone has their own you know, interests and their own uh, ways of handling things. But for me, um, I'd like to be able to share that i found I never appreciated sleep as much as I did as a parent of newborn twins. Hmm. So if I could say getting the rest that you need from now to the, you know, it doesn't even matter as your children age and, and grow and become more active, you still need to take very good care of your own health. You need to rest as much as possible. Try to get those eight hours in. I know it's very, very difficult to gauge for that, but it's doable if you make it a priority without enough rest we just become, you know, we, we can't function. We our, our mental capacity is just not there. And our physical ability to keep up with what we need to do every day is just not going to be there. So my first my first recommendation is get as much rest as possible. Secondly, and I know it sounds a little bit cliche, but get out and take care of yourself. Take a little bit of time for yourself if you can get some exercise, take brisk walks, get yourself feeling that ability to release that stress that tends to to build up in our system. Before I go to bed every night, I stretch. I -hmm. release the tension from my joints and my muscles. And I do the same thing when I get up in the morning. It just helps me to feel better. Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. I feel good, my children pick up on my mood, and then they respond accordingly. When I'm a mess and I haven't got enough sleep, they kind of pick up on that. Sometimes maybe two or three of the kids will try to help me. Or maybe, in that situation, two or three of the kids will take advantage of the fact mm-hmm. that mom's not quite on her mm-hmm. game today, and they'll try to get away with things. Mm-hmm. So take care of yourself. Take care of your needs. Be, be, Focus on yourself first, because if you don't take care of yourself, who is going to take care of them?
1: No, I mean, these are great messages. I, I can say as a physician, you know, I really resonate with what you're talking about, uh, first in the area of rest. Uh, what we know in the medical research community is when you short yourself on sleep, the only way you can function is by ramping up your stress hormones. And so whether you do it by you know, resorting to caffeine, one of the ways caffeine works is it raises stress hormone levels, uh, or whether you're just one of those people that can drive and push, the only way you can function is by ramping up the stress hormones. So if we're speaking about stress management, I mean, you're right on target. And uh, when we wrote our book about high blood pressure, and then uh, just released a new title, speaking about you know living longer and better. We call it The Methuselah Factor. Both of those books, it doesn't matter whether you're talking, like you said, about mental performance, physical performance, stress management. Rest is so critical, and you're exactly right, Fran. It is so easy in today's culture to shortchange ourselves when it comes to getting adequate rest. So, so much, so much. Thank you for bringing that point. Let me mention one other thing. You talked about exercise, physical activity, and here's the big question that, that you've raised because a lot of people say, well, I used to exercise regularly, but then the baby came. How did you manage to make time for physical activity as the mother first of one set of twins and then, you know, going from there?
2: Well, I, I knew that when I had the baby weight to begin with after I had deliver the babies, I was miserable. I mm. felt run down I felt my energy level was so low and I did not have any time for that I had so many people depending upon me including myself and the only thing that I could do my husband was so supportive and he still is today I would take walks and I would join I I went to um, a yoga class for uh, for postnatal mom and I it helped me tremendously just number one to have a little bit of time away. Mm. It helped me tremendously in, in the mental and emotional um, aspect of my health. And having time and being with other mothers who are going through the same thing. We all, none, none of us had perfect bodies. Everyone, we looking at each other going, oh, well, is your sleeping to the night yet? Oh, no, no. We could, you know, we could commiserate and laugh together. And then at the same time, we could work on ourselves and have that time away to focus on what's important. And as I said, without taking care of myself, how in the world could I take care of these children that were demanding me 24-7?
1: The other amazing thing that you're touching on, at least from my research, is just the power of social connectedness. And a lot of people tuning in from Indian country, they say, I mean, that's us. I mean, as First Nation peoples, we connect. People are are saying that, you know, we're, we're part of our communities. But what I find as I travel around, there are so many Native Americans now who find themselves in urban areas. They may not be around other First Nation peoples that uh, uh, they have close relationships with, at least in their geographic area. And so what you're talking about, finding people who are going through kind of a common journey, is so empowering, so encouraging. Uh, Does it sound like you just stumbled onto that with this yoga class for uh, postpartum women, or were you looking for that uh, at the outset?
2: Honestly, my pediatrician recommended it to me.
1: Mm. And it was
2: something that I, it was a godsend at the time because I didn't know, you know, I was kind of, we had moved to Florida. I had six months olds at the time and I was very isolated and very tired and homesick. And it was the perfect recommendation. And she gave me a business card for a, a, another patient of hers that was offering that um, in a studio after hours. I just I checked it out, I called the number and I started to go and I stayed with that group for many years in fact after my after my second set of twins were born in fact. and those friends of mine were still friends today. We've all watched our kids grow up together and it is it's about community it's about having that common bond and understanding that you're not going through this alone. That's what people need to know. They need to you know we're not looking online to see the perfect Martha Stewart house that's perfectly, uh, always kept perfectly clean and all the perfect projects and all the perfect um, uh, holiday ideas that so many people try to put out there on Facebook. Well, what, what people are looking for is to know that they're mistake takers, too. You know, they, they're they living life the real way. And it just is. it's full of inconsistencies and imperfections and times when we just have to laugh and laugh together and give each other that support and that embrace to know that we're going through this and we've got this. We've got this. We'll do it together. That's one of the reasons why writing the article that is for my blog was so important. I found it gave me a chance to put down my experiences and connect with other other women.
1: So folks can tune in to basically your whole life story, if you will, by reading your blogs. You've been doing the, the blogging for over a decade. Have I heard that correctly?
2: Yes. I started blogging the uh, the couple of months after the book was released in 2009. I began it. So my first uh my first article date back that long.
1: Yeah. So folks can access your, your wisdom, your wit, your insights by going to twins times three. They're not the book, but actually could they go to the website twins times or you prefer they go to they Fran Petrie? Uh-huh.
2: If they go to if they go to ww.franpetri.com, then you can access all of it. You can see the blog. The book link is right there on the left, mm-hmm. right when you get to the home page. You can find everything you need, and all the uh, the various subjects are listed right along the side as well. Everything is right there. Point and click, and it will take you right there. And it will take you directly to the book purchase site as well for twins Times 3.
1: Okay. So as long as I can remember how to spell your last name, Petrie, P-I-T-R-E. Yes, sir. If I put in FranPetrie.com, I've got access to your book, to your blog, and I've also got access, if I understand correctly, to a career that you've returned to now that um, your kids are more autonomous. Is is that true as well?
2: That is true. To so going back a little bit here, when I was uh, I was always involved in music. Um, I was a Combination visual arts and performing arts major in college. Mm -hmm. Um, My degree was in graphic design, and I worked as a graphic designer for many years, which was wonderful to be able to do it from home while I raised my children, which I did many, many years. But what I put on the back burner after having two and then four and then six children was my love for professional singing. Mm -hmm. I did it for many years in the DC area before my children were born. Put it on the back burner, obviously. I was a little bit busy for a while. The boys were about to turn 10 the beginning of 2017, and I began to get back into that career, something I had put on hold and something that was inside of me that I couldn't stop, and now I'm doing it again, yes, sir.
1: Great. We have got to talk a little bit more about that. We will as we come back in our final segment, but we do have to step away. We're talking with Fran Petrie. She's going to talk about how you can recapture a career after you put it on hold as a mother. You don't want to miss that final segment. She's got other great insights that will help you, no matter whether you're a mom, a dad, grandparent. You've got to stay by. I'm Dr. David DeRose. More right after this.
0: Today's broadcast has been prerecorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1 800 775 4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids.
3: I'm going to be an architect.
0: My dream
4: is to be a chef.
3: At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college, I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of The American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz.
4: It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. You're listening to Dr.
0: David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose.
1: You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Fran Petrie is staying by. If you're tuning in, you are as well, obviously. We're talking about some of the challenges of parenting from someone who's had, well, I think anyone would have to agree more than her fair share with six children, three sets of twins on top of that. Fran, a lot of times people think, "Wow, when you've got a big family, if you can just make it through to the end, get those kids through college, uh, you know, you've you've done an admirable task." I mean, no one's going to say it's not admirable what you've uh, what you've done, you and your husband. But life goes on, and women who put their careers on hold often have opportunities to pick them back up again. I'm speaking some from personal experience because my wife, although we only had half the number of children, she had the same number of pregnancies as you, but uh, she just stuck with the uh, the simple uh, program of having one each time. Uh, she's now getting back into the workforce. She's actually also a physician but had stepped away from medical work for many years so it was a, a unique challenge for a doctor to get back into medical practice. Is it any different for a musician or a creative artist to, uh, to jump back in? Has it been a challenge for you in that regard?
2: That's a very good question, David. I, I tried and I was cognizant about the fact that the career that I chose, I wanted to be able to do from a home office down, mm-hmm. the, down the road. Mm-hmm. Always planning to be a mom and always planning to keep my career fresh, and up-to-date. Mm-hmm. So I became a graphic designer. I worked uh, many, many years um, on-site for a advertising agency uh, and also an internal presentation and publications department for a very, very uh, profitable company up in the D.C. area. When I had my first set of twins, I did step away. I stepped right on out. I became. I went from one day as a designer to the next day as an expectant mother, and that's all I focused on. As the years went on, I was able to pick up stuff with my career. However, technology changes so quickly in mm-hmm. every field, mm-hmm. especially those that are in creative and computer program-based fields. I had to relearn uh, software. I had to go back and kind of catch up with everything. So that was a challenge. And while I'm doing that, I'm trying to do that while my twins are napping, while I'm in between making dinner and then running and working in my studio later. So it was a challenge. Now, as uh, as the years had gone on, I was able to watch my youngest kids turn ten years old and step back into a field that I have loved and is part of who I am as a musician, singer. It wasn't easy. I'm not 25 anymore, mm-hmm. so I had to uh, take that into consideration. But I was—it was, has been embraced by a wonderful Jacksonville, uh, Florida music community here. And long story short, I was able to write some music that I had been working on for many years, sort of on my own, and I've just recently released an album. So my dreams are coming true, stepping on this next part of my life, this new chapter, and I've performed here in Jacksonville as well as New York City.
1: Wow. Well, congratulations. And Do I understand, Fran, correctly that people can actually listen to your music by going to the FranPetri.com website?
2: They can link directly from the Fran Petri website to my Fran Petrie Sings website by simply making one click. On the homepage of FranPetrie.com, you can scroll down and you'll see the image of my CD. And you can click on the Hear Music Now, Listen to Music. It'll take you directly to the page where my tracks are all listed. And I'm also listed on, on several music streaming sites, including Spotify and iTunes and Pandora.
1: Wow, wow. So basically, you've gone from someone who was full-time in the workplace to someone who stepped away largely to raise a family. And now you're back in the heart of things. And it almost sounds like you didn't miss a beat.
2: (laughs) Pun expected (laughs) and pun pun enjoyed. Yes. Well, I think things happen for a reason. I fully believe that. And with hard work, perseverance and faith, um, it, it has happened for me, and and I, you know, every day that something else proceeds on with this uh, this journey that I'm on musically. Uh, the support that I've had with my family, the support of the musicians that I've met here in town, I've been working with. It has been a wonderful experience, and it's just you know encouraged me to continue and move forward with it. So um, I have no plan to con- to stop anytime soon, and we'll see where this leads. Uh, I believe that every person. Uh, can follow their dreams, moms included. I am a very proud mother of my six children, but it does not define who I am completely. Yes, I am a mother. Yes, I'm a wife, and I'm proud of those roles. But I'm also a designer, and I am also a very uh, passionate musician.
1: Now, a lot of my listeners are going to say, well, I'm not going to get an objective answer to this question, but we have to ask it anyway. As a musician, people are going to say, well, This woman, Fran, she's going to, of course, say music is wonderful. But in Indian country, music has such an important role. And here's where I'm going with the question. You were talking earlier about things that can help with stress, especially in the home. Where does music fit into that whole equation?
2: When I would excuse myself from the table and allow my husband to take the dishes duty at that point, when Uh I would go work on my magazines that I was hired to do, when all my children were little, so I could help supplement our income, my children knew where I was because they could hear me singing while I was Mm. working. Mm. I sang while I worked. I sing in the car. I sing as a stress reduction uh, type of therapy. Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that I can go to that will help me reduce stress. One of my songs is called Play It Loud, where a mom gets in a car and she just is allowing herself to reduce stress. By singing her favorite music in the car while she drives, and uh, that is how it plays into it. My songs are a story of my life. Many of them tell a story of this whole experience that I've had. They're heartfelt, they're beautiful, and I'm very, very proud of them all.
1: You know, I appreciate you mentioning this because I am—I'm not a professional singer, uh, you know, anything but, and yet. Over the years, I can't tell you I've probably tapped into this as much as would have been beneficial for me to have done. But singing, I have found, too, is stress relieving. Whether other people might find my singing melodious or not is not the point. There's something engaging. It's, it, it causes you to focus your energies on something other than your problems. Do you think that's part of the dynamic or does it seem to Absolutely. be something more?
2: No, I believe that, well, for one thing, it all depends on the individual. And I have always, my mother said that I sang before I spoke. Mm. And that is who I am. It is a, a method for me to release endorphins and release the stress that I feel as it up every single day. It builds up and, and has to be released. So combining, sometimes I will be walking my dog in the evening. I'll be getting my exercise and I'm singing as I'm walking my dog, and that is just my approach Mm -hmm. to de-stressing, and it also gives me so much joy. Life is about joy. Life is about living and enjoying the moments, and find that thing that you have that can give you that joy and can give you that fulfillment. Singing is that for me as well as my family and the love that we have and our journey that we're on together.
1: You know, this kind of brings us again back into Indian country, and I think of whatever indigenous music you might enjoy, those of you that are tuning in today, uh, don't hesitate to impart that to your children. I know sometimes we may feel, uh, well, maybe the kids don't appreciate the, the native flute music that, that that we play because the kids at school don't seem to think that's cool. Uh, wh- whatever might be going on, did you find in your life, Ran, as you were raising your children, what you tried to do musically for your children did it sometimes conflict with where the kids were at or where they thought their their friends were at
2: well they knew what i liked they knew the type of music i liked very very um a lot of ballads lots of soft rock that type of music that kind of moved me some country uh selections and they knew that that was what moved me and i think if we listen to some of that music today, they'll say, oh, that's my childhood. Oh, it mm. brings them it brings them that warm feeling inside. I think that imparting to my children a good sense of good music mm-hmm. that they were able to, uh, to grow and to use it as a foundation for the type of music that they listen to. I'm happy to say that all of them are well-rounded, um, um, and three of them sing beautifully. Wow. So I'm pleased that they also have that in their life as well.
1: Tremendous. Fran, you've got an amazing life story. Thanks for sharing a little bit of it with us on today's edition of American Indian Living.
2: David, thank you so much for having me today. It's been a pleasure and an honor.
1: Before we run, some who may have just joined us are saying, wow, it all seemed to go by so quick. Where can I learn more about Fran's writing, her singing? Can you point us in the right direction, Fran?
2: Certainly. Just go to FranPetrie.com. F-R-A-N-P-I-T-R-E.com. On the landing page of that blog, you'll find the list of all the information of the, of the blog articles I've written. You can find the book link. goes directly to the, the book source, uh, purchase source. And also you can find a link directly to my website where you can hear the music.
1: Tremendous. Thanks again, Fran. Thank you so much. We have to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. You've been listening to Fran Petrie. Hopefully, today's show has again helped you connect with life changing principles, things that will make a difference in your life and in your community. For all of us, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio
2: Network.